This, 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 uh, we are the Fight Disciples. You can get us on iTunes, Fight Disciples. That's all you've got to do to search and get us and subscribe to us and write us lovely reviews to boost our ratings in the uh, old iTunes chart. And you can get us uh, on fightdisciples.com if you're on Android. So all the feeds are on there, Spotify, you name it, we're up there, all right? Uh, at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube uh, for all social media followings. And as you can tell by the sound of the microphone, we're not in our normal Liverpool studio, mainly because I couldn't be bothered driving all the way into Liverpool. I decided to drive to the outskirts of Liverpool to Nick's new house. He's inviting me back again and he's having his kitchen done at the moment. So if you hear a bit of banging going on in the background, uh, I apologise for that, but I think it just adds to the atmosphere. Just like our boxing show yesterday uh, that we recorded um, with, a li- with a little bit of a ploughman's dinner uh, coming down your microphone as well. Um, I apologise uh, for the lateness of this UFC show. It's my fault. Yesterday we were on location filming some stuff for YouTube and obviously we planned to record two shows and have them up to you at the normal time. However, I got a flat tyre, so I spent two hours in quick fit. Flat tyre is code word for hungover from Saturday night. No, I had a flat tyre. Glenn McCrory told me you had a few ales in a few. London. A few. A- a- <laughs> after the fight at the Copper Box. Yeah. And he went, Catrell's probably a bit worse for wear. That's why he's still in bed. Yeah. So the old, oh, I'm on my way to quick fit. I was on my way to quick fit. One thing about drinking with Glenn McCrory, though, right? He is, he's proper in. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing. I think we only had about five or six Guinness, is what we had. And we uh, had a right old chinwag as well. I got up for, obviously the clocks went back on Saturday night, didn't they? Sure did. I thought I'd take full advantage of that extra hour. Oh, you were in London, of course you could. Yeah, I was taking full advantage of that extra hour. I come down for breakfast and he's done. He's had his breakfast, he's on his way. He said, right, I've got to go now, see you in a bit. Animal. Real man. He is a real man. Anyway, this isn't about boxing. This is about uh, the world of UFC. A uh, lot happened at the weekend, obviously, um, over in Moncton. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about UFC 230, which is coming up this weekend. Oh, yes. Uh, but first of all, here's a question for you. And I want you to seriously consider this as fight disciples. As you are listening to us wax lyrical about this now, I want you to think about it and contribute through our social media channels, mainly Twitter. That's where you can get us. I'll stick some on Instagram as well if you want to contribute there. At Fight Disciples. And this is the question. This is all I'm going to ask you. Do, I, do you want me to answer this question as well? I know what your answer is, right? But here's my question. Is anybody actually bothered that Demetrius Johnson is leaving the UFC? That's it. That's all. That's all I'm going to put in there. Uh, groundbreaking, history-making move last week from the UFC, uh, which we kind of alluded to on the show, didn't we? We were talking about uh, Eddie Alvarez moving to uh, one championship. And the name that we threw up on last week's show, uh, who could be next on his way there, would be Demetrius Johnson, with his arguments recently regarding money and his worth and various things like that. I didn't see a trade coming, if I'm honest. I just thought he'd be hot foot in it. Is it a trade, though? Well... I I think the Americans love all this. Hey, man, it's a groundbreaking trade deal. Yeah. It's a trade. The franchises are intertwining. Because NFL and baseball and all that bollocks, they do trades, don't they? It wasn't a trade. UFC cancelled DJ's contract and 1FC cancelled Ben Askren's contract. It just so happened that they signed each other. Mm. Was it a trade? Did the UFC ring 1FC and go, hey man, you want to swap our flyweight champ that does zero pay-per-views for your curly-haired freak that beats up on Asians that no one's ever heard of? Let's do it, man. That never happened. It never happened. (laughs) Matt Hume probably spoke to the UFC and said, listen, you ain't interested in DJ. You ain't interested in this flyweight division. We've got wind that's getting fucked off. Why doesn't DJ come with me over to one championship? Because that's where I consult with anyway. 
let him go on his contract, and in return, we could do something maybe with Ben Askren, who's got zero competition in Asia. Yeah. He's holding a welterweight belt that no one gives a fuck about. He's got zero competition. And the UFC have probably thought, you know what? Why not? I think with Ben Askren, it's a weird one with Ben Askren because this is the mad thing. Everyone, since this thing happened, this move, I almost said trade then. Mm. Since this switch happened, yeah. Well, you're going to go with switch rather than trade. Switch. So many fans have come on like going, oh, here we go, here we go. Ben Askren in the UFC, hold on to your shit. What do you mean hold on to your shit? He's boring. He's crap. Listen, <laughs> He's crap. I won't call him crap. He's boring. He's boring listen, to watch. There's a reason. He's, listen, he's super entertaining on social media. Yeah, that's why I love fans him. fans have discovered for the first time this week. Yeah. There's a reason why Ben Askren is not in the UFC already. It's got nothing to do with talent, nothing to do with ability. It's got everything to do with the fact that he is shit boring to watch as a fighter. He's another John Fitch. You've swapped one of the most talented, technical, all-round, supreme athlete guys in DJ. You know, okay, question as balls. But talent-wise, absolutely top of the... Right up there for a basically a lay and prey merchant, a guy that the UFC didn't want, didn't want him. That's why yeah, he ended yeah, up yeah. fighting in fucking Asia. Nobody wanted Ben Askren. But now, suddenly getting rid of DJ, they're willing to basically bite the bullet and take Ben Askren. It's a weird move from the UFC. It's a weird move from Dana White because he's been so vocal about not wanting Ben Askren to now suddenly have Ben Askren. I kind of don't get it. Well, it, it's not. It's not. The reason is, is because DJ doesn't make him any money. If you made him some dough, yeah, this wouldn't even. We wouldn't even be talking about this. That, and a lot of people have uh, have jumped on us on social media over the last week or so because of our attitude towards it. At the end of the day, this is this is show business. You've got to entertain me first. Yeah. It's all right being a supremely talented mixed martial artist, as you've rightfully said. Listen, there's no. We're not even. We're not even disputing that the kid's amazing. He is. He can do amazing things. Yeah. But I'm bored. I've seen him do amazing things against the same sets of guys for the last 10, 11 fights. And all right, uh, so Judo beat him last time out, which was obviously a bit of a shock. We didn't see that coming, but it yeah, happened. Of course. But he should never have been in a second fight with Sejudo anyway. What he should have been doing is going, right, TJ Dillashaw, you've, you've called me out. You're even willing to come to my weight class. Yeah. Fuck it, man. All right, then. If your balls are that big, come down to my weight class and let's have a bit of a play. Absolutely. What he really should have done, he's gone up to see how good he, how good he is, but he didn't fancy doing that. Nope. And that's why I just kind of lost interest um, with uh, Demetrius Johnson probably about a year, 18 months ago. I think Dana White is in exactly the same position. I think the moment TJ called out DJ and said, right, not only do I want to fight you after I've now dealt with Garbrandt, I'm quite willing to come to flyweight and fight you. Yeah. And he went, shit his pants and went, no, 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 you probably won't even make weight. I'm going to go and fight Ray Borg, yeah. who incidentally didn't make weight. Yeah. That proved everything you need to know about Demetrius Johnson. Yes, he has fought a bantamweight before and come up short. When the flyweight division come in, it was perfect. It was made for him. It was brilliant. But it got boring. Yeah. And his greatness that people... Pro- but is it greatness? Pro- the greatness is it greatness, people- though? say, oh, he's one of the best, he's greatest of all time, DJ's right up there, Joe Rogan used to wax lyrical about it, he's the man, he's the best, he isn't the best, to be the best, you've got to take on challenges bigger than you, you've got to take on the biggest challenges out there, That's my point. you can't just keep running through the same guys in a very weak field, and ultimately now it looks like the the flyweight division's doomed, you know, Sergio Pettis has come out and said he's definitely moving up, 
the champion, Sahudo, has going already up. said he's moving up. Obviously, DJ is coming out of there now. Flyweight division isn't going to make 2019. And does anyone really care? No. Absolutely not. Do not care whatsoever. I saw Ariel Hawani making some type of uh, talk on the 125-pound division. And he said, if there was a Conor McGregor uh, style character in there, of course it would uh, be absolutely amazing. And yeah, but what, what you're doing is you're just maybe looking at the personality side of that. You've got to do more than just be the personality. You've got to take on, like you've just said, those types of challenges. You've got to step up. You've got to be prepared to go into other weight categories. You've got to do ridiculous things, as Connor has done, in order to capture our imagination. There's no doubt in Demetrius Johnson is a fantastic mixed martial artist, but I don't give a shit because no. he hasn't made me give a shit. He hasn't made me care because he hasn't done anything that I've gone, yeah, man, I'm in. I'm on board. I mean, he... When he, he, does ama- he does amazing shit, isn't he? That, that yeah, but against last, who? That last against minute who? submission and shit. Mate, like I do that. amazing Two. submissions against a fucking five-year-old kid at home. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Yeah, yeah. It's a level of competition. Of course. Absolutely, Not, yeah. My five-year-old's actually quite quite decent, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, he can't he can't fight off an armbar. No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. And, and that's the issue with it. But then ultimately, does that mean the flyweight division was doomed anyway? Because it had DJ had the cojones to go up. Would that have ultimately spelled spelled the end of the flyweight division? Listen, the reason he brought the flyweight division in, in the first place was because there was characters there. There was Ian, Uncle Creepy, Ian McCall. There was Demetrius Johnson who'd struggled to ban some weight but had all this talent and ability. You know, there was four or five guys, Joe Benavidez. You know, there was, there was a few guys around that weight division and it was attractive and it was doing well for Tachi Palace. Tachi Palace was a promotion based on the Indian reservations in America, and they basically had the flyweight division on lockdown. Most of those guys were in there. So when the UFC absorbed that, they fucking basically killed Tachi Palace by taking their glamour division over. And then obviously it it started in the UFC with that little tournament thing in Australia, which initially got fucked up because they scored it a draw when they said, we can't have draws, there's got to be a flyweight champion. Anyway, it all got sorted out. DJ ends up becoming champion. We, We were in then. But over the course of time, DJ's dominance of the weight class has made you lose, absolutely lose interest. And the pay-per-view numbers speak for themselves. Yeah, they do. say this is fucking sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he wasn't selling a ticket. Mm. Nobody was interested when DJ fights. So as good as he is, as talented as he might be, as technical as he might be, and all the hardcore fans are fucking, ah, oh, the UFC are fucking at the make. Did any of you stay up to watch him fight live? Mm. Did any of you buy DJ's pay-per-views? Or did you just watch it the next day like the rest of us and go, yeah, he's fucking cool, man. Next. Yeah. I Listen, I'll be staying up this weekend to watch the, to watch the heavyweight title fight because a guy... I'm bought in. A guy in there with hot balls <laughs> hasn't got... You know, DJ's probably got more technical talent in one hand than he's got in his entire mm. 250-pound body. But mate, I ain't missing that heavyweight title fight. I'm no, I agree. staying up to watch that live. I agree. And and this switch that you're referring to, so Ben Askren's coming the other way. So he's yeah. leaving one and he's coming into uh, the UFC. I agree with you. As a fighter, he's boring. But he's got me engaged already. Because online? Because he's gone online. Yeah. He's calling out Darren Till. He's calling out every, GSP. Everyone. He's calling out every man and his dog. He's giving them shit. And I'm thinking, yeah, mate, sound. I want to watch you. Now, it's like the Colby Covington effect. Right, I want to watch Colby Covington get sparked. Yeah, I want to, yeah. I want to see him get sparked out by by Talon Woodley. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Whether you love it or whether you hate a particular person, it does not matter. You're buying tickets. You're buying pay per views. You're coming to the party, Absolutely. and therefore your worth within the UFC, your stock level has yeah. risen. You can be a goodie. You can be a baddie. 
You know, it doesn't matter which way you want to play, but don't be fucking vanilla. Don't just exactly. sit there in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Which is what DJ did for yeah, yeah, such yeah. a long time. Um, and Askren's attempting to now be the baddie, I suppose, well, isn't he? I think he's always been a bit of a gobshite, Askren. He's always been outspoken on Twitter and everything else. The problem was, to bring him into the UFC after his Bell- a successful Bellator run a couple of years ago when he was kind of like a free agent then and was pushing for a UFC contract. The problem then was, he was notorious for being in, the, in Bellator and winning decisions, mm. even though he was the best welterweight in there. So he wasn't, you know, this was a time when the UFC was getting rid of John Fitch. As soon as he lost one fight, John Fitch was gone mm. because he was just a grinder. And that's what Askren kind of was, that, you know, high-level college wrestler who comes over, pretty much can't do anything else, but fuck me, he can grind and grind out decisions. And the UFC win in that position right then, they were like, no, no, we want entertainment. We, you know, Knockouts. We want knockouts. We yeah. want, you know, high-level uh, fans on the edge of the seat type stuff. So that's why they passed on Ben Askren in a big way. The difference now is that Ben Askren haven't dominated now in one FC. Okay, listen, his last win was against Shinya Aoki. <laughs> He's a fucking featherweight lightweight at best. Mm. You know, legend, don't get me wrong, of Japanese MMA, but fucking way overmatched against Ben Askren. You know, there is no college wrestling thing in Japan. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So he's well out of his depth, but... The way I think the way what they've thought with Askren, they've sat down and gone, okay. The good thing about Askren now is he's a gobshite. He's going to rub a lot of people up the wrong way. He's going to do a Kobe Covington. Yeah, generate a lot of interest. Listen, people are buying into Khabib, so if they buy into Khabib's style, maybe they'll buy into Askren's style. Plus, they haven't got to go with Askren four to five fights till a title shot. They can kind of go right, throw Askren in with someone decent. Yeah, throw Askren in someone in the top ten now, and if he wins that. Straight away, okay, he's in a title mix now, so they can put him in with high-level guys. It's like what they did with Gaethje, straight in, of course, against top boys. Exactly, and that's the difference now, and that's what will happen with Askren. Whether that's a Darren Till or whatever, mm. they're going to throw him in with someone decent. Mm. But they're going to throw him in with someone that has got a history of negating strong wrestling. Because make no mistake, I guarantee it, the UFC don't want Ben Askren as well to a champion. Of course mm. they fucking don't. Mm. Plus, Askren and, and Woodley are thick as thieves anyway, so it's probably not going to happen in the short term. But there is fights out there for Askren, and Askren does, you're right, he generates eyeballs, he generates bums on seats because people want to see him get beat. Who do you want him in with then? GSP? No, that's never going to happen. Okay. I, I truly believe... Kamari Wasman? I truly believe that... The UFC, because there's a lot of talk about Khabib and, and GSP right now, put, being put out by Khabib's team, don't get me wrong. Khabib has got to fight Tony Ferguson next. Yes. Got to. Connor should fight GSP next, because that's the richest fight in, in MMA right now. At 155? I don't give a fuck. 155, 170, 165, whatever. Could be a catchweight as GSP moves down. Doesn't really matter. GSP versus Connor's the fight to me, financially. Uh, or Connor versus Nate. Ben Askren doesn't deserve a GSP. He's not going to come straight in and get a big f- super fight with GSP, just like he's not going to come in and fight like a number one contender. But in terms of that welterweight division, there's plenty of good guys in there, like a Rafael de Sanjos, maybe a Stephen Thompson. Mm. You know, somebody, somebody high level that can... Ponzinibbio? Yeah, maybe a Ponzinibbio. Um, or is that not a big enough name? I mean, Ponzinibbio is an elite striker. Is he a big enough name? The, Does the, it need a name? I'll be honest. <clears throat> Listen, Dana and, and Dana and fucking... Ben Askren have got history, like they, you know, they, they've talked shit about each other for a long time. So you reckon he'll fuck him up? So I don't think Dane is going to go. There you go, take on a South American striker with zero level wrestling, similar to you. 
I reckon Kobe would have been perfect and go, go on, battle the bad guys, because Kobe can wrestle as well. What about Us- Usman? Usman would be a fucking great shout. If if they make the Usman fight, that tells you everything you need to know <laughs> about what Dana White up. thinks of Ben Askren. <laughs> because what better way than go, okay, you're going with a, one of our young, undefeated studs. That's a monster. Come on then, Ben Askren, Mr. Big Balls. Let's see how you can, uh, let's see how you take on Usman. That's a fucking great matchup. That could be the one. That could be the one, I'm telling you. He's going to get fucked up. Anyway, um, speaking of uh, fights that we want to hopefully see in the not-too-distant future, Till's giving it some on his Instagram, isn't he, eh? He's not playing games. I like that. He's gone balls deep. Normally, you just have a little bit of a tickle, don't you? You go in and you think, go on, I'll try my hand. I'll try my hand at something. Nah, not Darren Till. He's gone, right, fuck it. Connor, Anfield, fancy it. Me and you will flog this gaff out, sunshine. We can do it next year. Fancy one little dance before you uh, clear off into retirement, mate. I like it. Till, of course you like it, you bellend. <laughs> you're not going to say, oh, I no, like it. Darren, no, what are you doing? You're not going to say that. You're going to go, yeah. let's do it, man. Of course. I can't see it happening, obviously. I can't see Connor coming back to 170, certainly to face a, a 185er at 170. Um, I think, as I say, Connor GSP or Connor Nate are the ones that makes absolute sense. But I like the way Darren Till's putting his name back in the frame out there. You know, he's kind of been sucked into this Ben Askren shout as well. Ben Askren thinking... If Tyron can do it, I can do it. Mm. You know, and that that would be a on paper that's a perfect fight for Ben Askren, someone who hasn't got that kind of wrestling experience. Yeah. Someone that if he can close the distance and get his hands on him, he'll feel like he can win, and it's a big name. Askren, Ponzinibbio, you know, these are the uh, sorry Ponzinibbio till potentially even ta- uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. They're the fights that Ben Askren wants. They're the fights that he's like strikers. Can, as soon as I can take you down, it, you're in my world. Usman, Covington, yeah, obviously Woodley, the more grapple savvy, maybe even like Rafael de Sanos, the more grapple savvy welterweights, that's more favourable towards the UFC and more about giving Ben Askren a baptism of fire. Uh, there's no, I, I can't see Askren versus Till happening. As I say, I don't. I, I think the UFC wants Darren Till to be UFC champion one day, and that would be a bad fight for him. Not that he couldn't beat him. Don't get me wrong, but. I think there's there's bigger fights out there. There's cooler fights out there. I still think Till versus um, Adesanya. Well, that's for me. That's the biggest fight of 2019. Till versus Adesanya. I could see Adesanya, who's obviously fighting Fight this, this weekend. weekend yeah. we'll come on to that. Adesanya for me is you know is my MMA prospect of this year. Um, mentioned in January before he signed with the UFC. Obviously, he will fight. You're having a good year, aren't you? Hey, I'm having a fucking You're having great a great year, to be year. Fair. and it's pissing me right <laughs> off. Jordan Dillon boxing <laughs> and Israel Adesanya in the UFC. You've had a good year, Damn. mate. Damn. Mm. Anyway, Adesanya back in the 2019, Adesanya till at a massive, massive venue, like the O2 or something, I think is a smoke show. I think before then, Adesanya probably gets to Bobby Knuckles next summer, mm. uh, which would be a massive fight for Australasia. And by then, of course, I think Till... I can see Till having one more fight at welterweight before he moves up, mm. uh, moves up to middleweight. And then Till Adesanya, as I say, back in the next year would be fucking amazing. Mm. Right, let's go to Moncton, shall we? Yeah, man. Chris Fishgold, we'll start there. Yeah. Um, KO'd in the first round. He was doing actually all right. I remember what, I don't, I, you know, I watched it the day after and I, I thought, and I watched it without knowing the result. 
Yeah. So when the, when the actual stoppage came, I was a little bit shocked because he looked strong, he looked okay, he was doing all right with distance and various things like that. And I thought to myself, yeah, it's a nice confident start because he must be quite a daunting thing. He's waited for such a long period of time to get his ass into the UFC. Yeah. Now it's come and he looked quite calm. He didn't look nervous really, but he just got clipped and that was it. End of chat. Exactly. It was like, what it was, you know, one year, 364 days it was since his last fight in Cage Warriors, mm. his last title defence. So he'd wasted, ex- you know, pretty much exactly a year to finally make his UFC debut. And you're right, in all that time, it was like, you've signed for the UFC, we're just waiting to get you matched up. I think a lot of that looked like it came out in the fight. You're right, for the first two minutes, I thought he looked great. But he was also putting everything into every shot. And mm. I, I know that's how fishy fights, but... At this level, you can't have that much pent-up aggression. Got to be cute. Because everybody's good. Everybody at this level is very good. And I'll be honest with you, I mentioned it last week. I said Calvin Qatar's no fucking joke. And I watched it on Sunday and was like, oh, Fishy was doing great until he got caught. And then I watched it again um, last night, Monday night. Um, And this time I watched it through Calvin Qatar. I just watched Calvin Qatar because obviously when I'm watching it on Sunday, I'm like, Fishy, come on, come on, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Bastard, he got caught. But this time I watched it through Qatar and I was like, man, Chris Fishgold was loading up. He scored a wicked takedown. He caught Qatar with a few shots. But when you watch it, Qatar's never out of breath at any point. He's in control of everything. You mm-hmm. know, he's, he's, his distance is very good. He's calculated. He's waiting for that shot. When when the finish comes, he's not even out of breath. Whereas in the other side, Fishgold's still like a heaving mass. He's like the Hulk. His chest's going. His nose is running. He's got a cut under the eye. You know, he looks like he's been in a war already. And Qatar's like fresh as fuck. Mm. So in hindsight, I think there's loads of positives for Chris Fishgold. Loads of positives. Again, this was a, it, Qatar. I really rank him. I think he's a very good opponent. But there's also he will go back Fishgold and think fuck. I went in there like a wild animal. Mm. There was very little control, loading up right hands a lot, um, you know, shooting probably a little bit more desperate. But that's what happens when you're a year out. When you sat, you know, you sign for the UFC and then you basically sat on the sidelines for a year waiting for a date, waiting for that clearance. You're going to bed every night thinking about your debut, thinking about your ring walk, thinking about where it might be, thinking about what your opponent might be. You're watching every event going, is it going to be him? Is it going to be him? Mm. Am I going to do it? What music shall I have? Shall I change this? Shall I change that? Who's going to... You do that for 364 days, and then when it finally comes, you're so overwhelmed by the moment. And there was a little bit of that. I wouldn't say it was like a cat in a, you know, caught in the headlights or anything that bad. But I just thought we didn't really get to see the very best of Chris Fishgold there. I think I'd love to see him get out again as soon as possible, early in the new year, January, February. But um, listen, he'll come again. He'll absolutely come again. And again, Qatar's a fucking very good prospect as mm. well. So disappointing from a UK perspective because we had so much excitement about Fish Gold. He's been a Cage Warriors champion for so long. But uh, this is just the beginning. Mm. Absolutely. If you haven't watched uh, Monkson at the weekend, definitely go back and uh, have a look at the main event because it was absolutely enthralling between Uzumir and uh, and Smith. I thought that there would be... I didn't think we'd get out the first round. And at at points in the first round, I didn't think we were going to get out the first round because Uzumir was... Chucking the kitchen sink at him. Fair play uh, for Anthony Smith. I know that we've uh, we've obviously bigged him up over the last six months or so. He's a man that was uh, competing at an inferior weight category. He's decided yeah. to not cut as much weight, stay at light heavy, and he's been lighting the gaff up. Yeah. And that conditioning probably helped him just a touch 
in uh, in order to weather a storm for a good 10 minutes because he did get the kitchen sink chucked at him for 10 minutes. He weathered it quite well and then he took his opportunity extremely well in the uh, in the third round. And never in a month of Sundays, mate, saw uh, a rear naked short coming from him anyway. I thought it would genuine Because from, from watching him previously, his jiu-jitsu and his submission game, I don't think he's had one yet it, until the weekend just gone in the, in the UFC. So I didn't know where he was at on the deck. Yeah. But he got the job done. It was a fantastic, fantastic finish. And he moves on now and surely he's next in line. Yeah, absolutely. Of course he is. You know, for me, they were, they were talking afterward. Dan was interviewing him. was like, you know, we don't know what the shakeup's going to be, but you've beat the number two guy. Quite clear to me. You're the, now the number two guy. That, that's how that's how all ranking systems Jones work. Gustafsson at the end of the year and then yeah. it's Anthony Smith of course, who was because DC is AWOL so for me Anthony Smith is categorically the number two guy in the welterweight in the lightweight light heavyweight division um, he beat the man so he replaces the man quite simple but in terms of the finish we've not seen him submit anyone in the UFC but he's got 11 submissions in his 17 wins so he is a bit of a submission machine albeit at a much lower level. So you know he's kind of got that in his locker. And maybe against a, a fellow striker like Uzadmir, maybe that was the opportunity then. It's like it, it, it's funny, it's kinda of like um the big heavyweight in it, the demolition man. Um Alistair Overeem. Overeem's got a shitload of submissions on his mm. record, but you wouldn't necessarily consider him a submission fighter just because the way he fights in the UFC and because of his K one background and whatever. But I think Anthony Smith here, it's ballsy to go in against someone like Uzadmir and say, you know, First couple of rounds, let him blow I'm gonna himself give him out. Yeah, yeah. Let him let him unload on me, and then I'm going to step it up in round three and take over. That's ballsy against someone like Uzadmir, but maybe that's how you beat a big striker. Let him punch himself out. Let him tire himself down. So, um, yeah, but he's a big striker himself. Exactly. He's been so, knocking kids out for fun, but quickly. But to have that mentality and be able to go, listen, I've got that sub game in my locker. Mm. I haven't needed it so far, certainly in this light heavyweight division in the UFC. But this is a guy, if I go toe-to-toe, whoever lands, so why give him the opportunity? Why go toe-to-toe with him? Why take that chance? Why don't I move around a little bit, let him unload, back off, don't don't engage with him too much, maybe lose a round or two, let him tire himself out and then step it up. To have that mentality at that age as well, because he's still only a young man, against the number two guy in the world, that, that for me... That's championship class. He got the shit kicked out of his legs as well, didn't he? Oh, mate, fucking... Well, he even said afterwards, he? He was <laughs> like, walk. legs are fucked. And he had to literally be carried. And then yeah, yeah. at the end, they seen him sitting on the side of the octagon with his legs. Like, just give me a minute before we walk back to the dressing room. My legs are shot. But again, that just takes big balls, you know, to be that young and in this type of fight, first five round, and main event, and you know what's at stake? Potential title shot down the line. Mm. To be able to go... No, I'm not going to engage. No, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until I feel feel his power drain a little bit, a couple of rounds in. Then I'm going to step on him. Then I'm going to shoot for the takedown, take his back. I've got that. I think he's only a, he's like a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, so he's, he's legit. Yeah. But to be able to go, that's my game. I'll take him there. We both, we're both punchers, so why bother competing with him where it's an even playing field? Let me do what I want to do. Let me fucking survive a few little scares. Let me tie him up. And once I feel that power drain, that weight drain out of him, boom, welcome to my world. I'll take us back and do him. Tremendous performance, faultless performance almost. And again, for that game plan, to have that game plan, to be able to action it the way he did, categorically, Anthony Smith's got to get the next title shot. Mm. Anything else uh, catch your eye from uh, Moncton at the weekend? 
just again, it was we were talking about it last week in terms of the, the fight itself. It's like watching Michael Johnson against Artem Lobov. <laughs> Listen, Artem's cool, man, and I've got nothing personal against Artem whatsoever. And he's got balls. He's got, you got to admire that. He got balls. And I don't, I don't want to see him cuffing the UFC. He, he, you know, he reminds me a lot of like of like Neil Seary, who got in the UFC with a mad record coming at late notice, and yet became one of the most entertaining guys in the UFC. Put him in with, you know, middle of the road, fringe contender guys, you're probably going to get a fight of the night. But put him in with someone ranked in the top 15, and he's going to get exposed. And I feel the same about Artem. It's like, put him in with normal run-of-the-mill guys in this featherweight division, and Artem will win some and lose some. That's just the way he fights, you know? He's cool to watch. He's entertaining. It's Connor's mate, so maybe Connor's going to rock up to town. I get it. I get it. But don't put him in co-main events, and certainly don't put him in co-main events against guys that are legit, hmm. you know, title class it, like Michael Johnson. Well, it was lose every round. Michael Johnson was a last-minute replacement, wasn't it? You know what I mean? I know, well, With all the Zabir thing, it was supposed, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they were supposed to get, you know, this was a roll-on from the Conor Khabib confrontation. It was supposed to be Conor's teammate against Khabib's teammate, yeah. and we keep that confrontation going. I get it, but then to sub him out from someone like Michael Johnson, you're like, yeah, man. you've stitched Artem up a little bit there. And uh, listen, Artem makes it entertaining because he's like, fuck it, hands down, I'm just going to walk forward. But I'm just watching someone getting beaten up now. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I know you're tough, Artem. I know you're brave as anything. You've got big, big balls. I, I know that. I don't need to see you get beat up by a guy who I would say is top 15 a featherweight easily. So I just thought the UFC stitched them. The UFC could, could have given them a local featherweight from around the Massachusetts area or whatever, or Canada. Canada some, yeah. Cana- some young Canadian featherweight. They could have brought him in for his debut against Artem and you'd probably get a more competitive fight than what that was. Mm. That would, That's my only criticism of the card. I'm not saying, for, again, I don't want to see Lobov cut. He's cool as fuck, Artem. But he's not this level. He doesn't deserve to be this level. He shouldn't be co-main event and fucking anything. And he certainly shouldn't be in with the likes of Michael Johnson. No, I'll go with that. Main event this weekend, though, something to uh, get excited about, oh, isn't it? Yes. Uh, UFC 230. This has been, well, it's been a mess, 230, if we're honest, mate. It took so long to get fights nailed on uh, for this particular event. And it's only, what, the last three, four weeks uh, that we saw Derek uh, Lewis. <laughs> Every time I say his name, I just see his face and I laugh because I just keep hearing him talk about his hot balls. Um, he absolutely smote Volkov when he was, well, he got battered for a, for 95% of the fight. He got yeah. battered and then he landed this massive overhand right. And we find ourselves now in a heavyweight title shot, mainly because they couldn't find a main event. The main event was there. It was smacking them right in the face. Nate Diaz and uh, Dustin Poirier, it was there. Go make a new belt, put them on there. The, yeah. that's, that's what we should have done. But Dana, for some reason, didn't fancy it. And therefore, he went sniffing elsewhere. DC's earned himself a little bit of credit by stepping up, going on, I'll fight him, no worries. I'll I'll, I'll do the business yeah. on four weeks' notice. So DC stepping into the ring to defend his heavyweight crown uh, against Derek Lewis, something that I never, ever thought that I'd ever be saying, yeah. especially at this stage. Yeah, yeah. Me, me too. Obviously, I spoke to Derek in Vegas fight week and was like, you know, if you beat Volkov, there's no arguing, really. So take out the fact that the hot balls, the whole comedy incident, the fact he got fucked by Volkov for like three rounds, four minutes. This guy, the Black Beast, has lost one of his last 10 mm. in the heavyweight division against a lot of it against decent lads, top contenders. So on paper, you know, 
who else deserves this shot? No one deserves this shot more than Derek Lewis. No other active heavyweight, available heavyweight right now. Imagine if he's the UFC heavyweight champion come Sunday morning. The only argument would be... No, no, no. Picture it. Oh, yeah. It'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> it'd be absolutely it amazing. Wouldn't. It'd, it'd be, be fucking ridiculous. Be, you know what? It's like having Homer Simpson, the fucking exactly. champ of the and UFC. That's why it'd be amazing, because there's more people who can relate to Homer Simpson than can relate to a two-time Olympic champion. And that's taken nothing away from DC. DC's a, a nice guy, but... Having Derek Lewis as the heavyweight champion <laughs> would be funny as the ultimate fuck. fighting championship heavyweight man. He's the main man. He's the baddest man on the planet. Literally, the baddest man on the planet is a two hundred and fifty pound yeah. Instagram sensation who, again, could do stand up comedy. Just a couple of weeks ago, was like, "Mate, I ain't nowhere near good enough to win the heavyweight title. Mate. I shouldn't be anywhere near it. I'm not even an athlete. I don't train hard enough. I'm not. I'm not ready yet." But from DC's point of view then, right, how does he approach this fight? Because he's on a lose-lose. Of course. He's supposed to win. Of course he is. But how does he go about attempting to win it? Does he, get, does he try and pick him up and stick him on his back? Of course. Or does he try and knock him out? Just spikes him. Yeah? I think if you, if, if you try and knock out Derek Lewis, you're mental. Because one punch can knock you out. So, as Volkan proved as well. Volkan had this in there was moments in the fight against against the uh, Volkov, sorry, where in Vegas where Volkov had him hurt and he could have finished the show. Yeah. You know, the black and he should have done. was fucked. He was exhausted. He was staggering around the cage. And if Volkov would have stepped on him, he could have finished the fight easily. But instead he went safety first and he left the door open and ultimately got chinned. You know, the Black Beast kicked the fucking doors open when it mattered most. There's no way on God's earth DC makes that makes that mistake. Obviously, there's no way on God's earth Derek Lewis can survive 25 minutes with anybody because he just hasn't got in in his gas tank. Mm. So Derek Lewis has basically got five minutes to land to knock out DC because if that fight, if it gets out the first round, he's fucked because he's got no gas tank. Mm. He's got five minutes to try and knock DC out. And that's what makes it entertaining. That's why people will stay up in the UK till the all hours to watch this. Yet, when the supposed one of the greatest of all time, Demetrius Johnson, mm. fight nobody gives us flying fuck because this is entertainment. Anything could absolutely happen. What do I think will happen? I think DC will throw a couple of feints, close the distance, take him down and beat the shit out of him on the ground or submit him. Yeah. And Derek Lewis won't get out three three minutes. He won't get out of a boxing round. Do you not think? I don't think so. I'm going I'm, I'm to say... DC can't take the chance. No, I agree. I don't think... I don't think... He'll get out the second round because I think I, I just think DC will take his time and he'll wait. It's dangerous though, isn't it? No, no, no. He's, he's saying like, first. He, he, listen, he might have him on his back and he beat the shit out of him, but I think he'll survive the first round. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think we might get two, three minutes of the second round, and it'll, and the ref will just say, "This is embarrassing. We'll yeah. stop it now." And it will be embarrassing if it goes past two rounds because again, Derek Lewis just hasn't got the tank to be anywhere near this level, and DC. Even a even a DC at short notice is still got an unreal tank for the size. Oh him. mate, you know he's, he's like a whale. Fight for days. He's like got that whale fitness, hasn't he? Yeah, you know what I mean? Unreal. Yeah, he may look big and out of shape, but he looks Christ, like he's been on the piss go for God day. knows how long. But he could go forever. Absolutely, go all day. Yeah, and um, it it it's a cool main event just because it's entertaining. And again, I think it it will resonate with a lot of mainstream fans, not necessarily UFC hardcores, because people can relate to these guys. Mm. You know, especially in America, more people more people over six foot look like 
Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis <laughs> and Daniel Cormier than look like Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder. You know, this is a fight for the man on the street to go, you know what? Yeah, I could do that. You're my guy. Get me a pair of shorts. Yeah. Watch how hot my balls go. That's mm. what people kind of relate to. Mm. That's why it's fun. Uh, there is another great fight on there, which is a little bit of a shame because it fell off. Did uh, Luke Rockhold against uh, uh, Chris Weidman. Uh, a last-minute replacement. Jacare's come in. It's a fun fight. It's a fun fight. But Weidman... He's been talking the talk. And as you rightfully said, I think it was either on last week or maybe two weeks ago, you were talking about Weidman being built to to beat Anderson Silva. Yeah. And when he did that, the world went crazy. The The second coming of Christ is here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But then he's run into other fighters where the skill set is much better than his and therefore he couldn't actually live up to uh, the profits that we uh, that we, we threw on him. Yeah. This is a fun fight. Yeah, it is. I kind of like it. You know, Jackery is one of those guys that's, is he on the slide? Is he not on the slide? He ran into Bobby Knuckles and Bobby Knuckles took care of him. Yeah. This is an opportunity for him to get a, a, a massive name on the resume in order to, hey, I'm still here. Last time out was a little bit of an accident. Let's get it back on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a fight I'm really looking forward to because the both of them have been around this middleweight division for a, for a couple of years now. And while they fought, they fought a lot of the same people, they still haven't fought each other. So that's what I'm kind of looking forward to is seeing their styles. I'll be honest... I know I'm sometimes the prophet of doom. I don't think this fight's even going to happen. I think Weidman or Jack Ray will fall off before Saturday. I truly do. Yeah. Um, and one of them will end up fighting David Branch on the undercard instead. Because mm-hmm. at the moment, David Branch, Kananier. Uh, yeah. David Branch was supposed to be fighting Jack Ray. Yeah. And Weidman was supposed to be fighting uh, Rockhold. Rockhold, of course. Yeah. And they've had a little bit of a switch. Kananier's been brought in. Yeah. I just think. I just can't see this fight happening. I don't know why, but um, just because Weidman and Jacare have had some issues over the years, certainly Weidman in regards to his fitness. So I think it's going to struggle. But for me... If it happens... Well, listen, if it happens... I don't know. I just think Weidman at the moment, he just doesn't... I just think he's mentally, after beating Anderson... He achieves so much. Again, we'll come back to the fact that that was what he was made for. That was his pinnacle. That was his legacy moment. And it's always hard now to see him build his way back up to where mm. Bobby Knuckles and, and Kelvin Gastelum are right now at the top of the tree. Categorically, whoever wins this does become a top contender. But I'll be honest, you know, the, the cool thing about this is the the, the main card stacked with middleweights. There's four middleweight, title, middleweight fights. So there's loads of other stuff going on. The other three are below these guys, of course. But mm. listen, I'm going to go with Jacare. I'm going to go with Jacare by submission deep yeah. into the fight. Mm. Okay. Um, and you've just mentioned that David Branch is taking on Jared uh, Conanier, which is, again, another last-minute replacement. The fight of the night, or should I say, going to be the performance of the night, is the last style bender. Yeah, man, of course it is. That's what he does. Of course it is. Israel Adesanya, your prospect of this particular year, taking on David uh, Brunson, isn't it? Derek yeah. Brunson is taking on. It's a fun fight, but I fully anticipate that it's made for the style bender to put on a performance like he did last time. He does all the quirky, weird, crazy stuff. For those that have never seen him fight before, and you might be more familiar with Michael Venom Page, for example. Yeah. Michael Venom Page is like the plastic version of the style bender at this moment in time because we don't really know how good MVP is because he's never been tested. Good Whereas uh, Israel has been tested and he's beating legit dudes and he's doing it in the UFC. And he does it with all the flashy stuff as well. So he is entertaining the crowd. I'm really looking forward to seeing him fight this weekend against Brunson, mate. I'm fully anticipating uh, another uh, fight of the night. Uh, bonus check for him. Having said all that, though, I have been wrong before. He's probably going to get sparked now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, he won't get sparked now. And he's listen. Brunson's talked his way into this fight just because he didn't know how to re- react to Adesanya calling them out and everything else. These two have been going backwards and forwards on social media. Adesanya, I like so much. I think he's got so much ability, so much talent. Um, I think he destroys Brunson. And you know what? After my prospect of the year in boxing, Jordan Gill. It's not about. It's not not just about you. All right. This, I'm coming on to a prediction here. Go on. After my prospect of the year, Jordan Gill became Commonwealth champion on last Saturday with a seventh round stoppage. Yeah. I'm predicting that Israel Adesanya will jump up the middleweight rankings even more this weekend with a seventh minute stoppage. So start the second round. Bada boom, bada boom. Two minutes into the second round, Israel Adesanya with a highlight reel KO is my prediction for this weekend. You've been reading too many of them fucking uh, universe books, you, haven't you? You know what I mean? <laughs> Bringing shit into your world and all that type Absolutely. of Absolutely. Stay positive. If you if you think about it, shit will happen. You know what I mean? Is that your saying? Yeah. Is that what <laughs> you I know there's a really cool line about that, yeah. isn't it? Manifest it, whatever it is. But mine is, if you think about it, shit will happen. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get, get that, that made into a t-shirt. No, get that tattooed on your neck. <laughs> think about it, shit will happen. Is it not conceive it, believe it, achieve it? That's it. Yeah. That's the one, isn't it? Mine's better, though. Mine's got more of a ring to it. Conceive it, believe it, achieve it isn't as good. Think about it. Shit will happen. happen. (laughs) Makes more sense. If someone gets that tattooed on, we'll get you some free fight tickets. That's what we'll do. We'll get you sorted. Can you imagine someone sending us a message now going, lads, I've had the tattoo done. Think about it. Shit will happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, no, it should be a cracker uh, this weekend, uh, UFC 230. And as uh, Nick's pointed out on uh, on last week's show, every week, every single week, there is something now to uh, wet all your whistle. Till, and get, all the way till New Year's Eve. And get yourself excited. Uh, by the way, this Friday is uh, first press conference for uh, Bonds, Jones and Gustafsson. Absolutely. Bring it. Yeah, let's just hope it happens. <laughs> hope it happens. Hopefully then, I think the, the probably, press conference will happen. Yeah, <clears throat> well, hopefully the fight happens. Uh, I'm guessing that Friday they're going to mention something about Ben Askren as well, naming whether Ben Askren knew he's going to fight everything else because the UFC have been weirdly quiet, even though we know the the switch is done. Um, but also this weekend, I just want to mention the fact that Jack Marshman as well, like the fucking yeah, flagship, so he's on the card, fighter, actually, yeah. yeah, man, he's on the main card. He's part of this middleweight title mix-up or fringe middleweight title contender mix-up. Massive opportunity for him. You know, he's on after Adesanya as well. So there'll be a fucking lot of eyeballs on it. Massive fight, massive event. Mm. For him to be there in this cool four-fight middleweight bracket as well, if Jack Marshman can get a win this weekend, his career just fucking jumps up about 10 notches. Mm. Cool opportunity for him. There you go. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for listening to our show. You can subscribe. Uh, to us via iTunes, just search Fight Disciples. Our uh, Android feeds are on fightdisciples.com and we're all over social media as well, at Fight Disciples, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. There'll be a YouTube video going up uh, on Wednesday of this week. Four o'clock Wednesdays is when we'll stick some YouTube stuff up there. There might even be some more coming by uh, the back end of the week. And we're planning something big uh, for Christmas. As we've been speaking about, obviously, our uh, Christmas party in Manchester on December the 22nd, which we would love you to become a part of. It's uh, on the night that Frampton fights Warrington in the world of boxing. Please come and join us for that, and we'll have a little bit of a scream. Uh, but we are planning a little bit of an away day at this moment in time. And once we've finalised it, um, we'll put it out there. If you want to come and join us, you are more than welcome to come and join us because yeah. we might even be doing Fight Disciples live from somewhere and we'd love you to be a part of it. Anyway, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, 
subscribe via iTunes.